This is Reflections of the Lighthouse, a podcast sharing the hope of the gospel for those struggling with life-altering addictions. If you'd like more information about the Lighthouse and the services they provide, visit biblicallliferecoverycenter.com. And now, here are your hosts, Brandon Bauer and Dwayne Modlin. Welcome back to Reflections of the Lighthouse. I'm Brandon Bauer, and I'm sitting here with Dwayne Modlin, and we're going to talk today about God's sovereignty and salvation. Now, Dwayne, salvation is a key part of our belief system. Yes. Salvation is one of those things that we talk about most in counseling. Yep. And it is my philosophy when someone comes to me that doesn't know Jesus, every bit of my counseling revolves around Jesus and that that sovereignty and salvation piece. Well, not not only, yes, for those who come in that may not believe, but sometimes we limit salvation just to justification. That judicial act where God declares us as righteous because of Jesus. But salvation doesn't stop there. Uh, three words used in the New Testament, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So for those of us who don't know the definitions yes. of that, would you break yes. that down? Uh, justification, again, is that judicial declaration where God says, because of Jesus, uh, I'm not holding your sins against you, you're innocent. Uh, sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit works in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Glorification is when Christ returns and we shall be exactly like him in far as his humanity goes. Now, so we could say, I am saved, justification. I am being saved, sanctification. I shall be saved, glorification. So it wraps up the entirety of my life, and it impacts every step of my life. So in counseling, salvation is the key piece to yes. all of it. Yes. So we're going to talk about salvation today. I want to start with reading Ephesians 2. So um, I've asked Dwayne to, to read that for us, so hang with us. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a weighty topic. Yes. Um, starting in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. And it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind but this is beautiful right here this but but god being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved wow fantastic it's a fantastic passage yes it's a deep passage yes it is one that can cause division in the church yes but i wanted to start with a good question yes who gives us life um god in christ gives us life we were dead spiritually without the life of god but here here's another beautiful picture brandon 
is that Jesus gives us his life. We get the life of God in Christ. God's life is what? Eternal. Mm-hmm. So God gives us what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it is absolutely amazing. It's what keeps me going Amen. during hard times. Yes. So if God gives us life, who helps us understand truth? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Uh, Jesus says that when he comes, speaking of the Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. Uh, and apart from the Spirit, we receive no truth, spiritual truth. So often people come into counseling with misunderstandings about truth. Yes. Um, there's a lot of cultural things where your truth is, is, is truth and my truth is truth, and we just all have to live with each other's truths. Yeah. We're not defining truth correctly. Yeah, so I remember having lunch with a fellow pastor when I was pastoring in North Carolina, and we were having lunch at McAllister's, which was right across the street from UNCW, University of North Carolina, and there was a professor talking with one of his students. And uh, you've met me, right, Brandon? Mm-hmm. You know me. Yep, and I uh, know you like McAllister's. <laughs> yes, and there you got the best sweet tea. So he started, they started talking, talking about philosophical issues and stuff. And one of the issues that came up was truth. And the professor basically says, all truth is relative or there is no absolute truth. Right. And you've met me. I'm not <laughs> going to let that slide. Nope. Uh, and it had nothing to do with the professor, but the student that was sitting with the professor. Uh, so I leaned over and I said, excuse me, um, I hate to butt in, but can I ask a question? Yeah. I said, I, I've, taking some philosophy classes and things. So a simple question. Is your statement that there is no absolute truth absolutely true? Now, some of you may have picked up on it already. Some of you may have not. No matter how he answers that question, he ha- he will affirm absolute truth because you can't get around that there are absolute truths. So the question has to come, who gives the truth? There has to be, if there's absolute truth, there has to be an absolute truth giver. Yes. I.e. Jesus Christ. Yes. And he gives us these truths by his word and through his spirit. So the passage in Ephesians starts out that we were dead. Yes. We said, who gives us life? And you answered, God. So then the question is, what has Christ done for us? Everything. He gave us life and made us alive. And everything, including truth, including everything that happens to us, good, bad, ugly, is given to us by Christ. Yeah, and when, when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth... He's talking about he is going to tell you who I am because Jesus says, I am the truth. If you want true, absolute truth, it's only found in Christ, who is the absolute truth giver. Agreed completely. So who grants the repentance that leads to life? 
Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because if he's not the one doing it, then we are, and we can say we've worked for our salvation. And we do not work our salvation. For we are saved by grace through faith. Alone. Alone, right? And this is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? The grace and the faith that works in our lives and we repent and we follow Jesus. Uh, and it's not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nobody who will ever be able to stand before God and said, I did this. So we just recently celebrated 10 years of existence at the Lighthouse. Yeah. And I was I was talking to my team earlier, and I said, God has given me an amazing gift that he has grown this beyond my wildest expectations. Because yes. I know my heart, and I could easily say, look what I've done. Yeah. But I didn't. It's Christ. I didn't do a single bit of this. Yeah. And... What a great gift that, that it is beyond my wildest imaginations so that I am not tempted to say those things. Yeah. So isn't that what was promised to us, mm. that he would do above and beyond Everything. all we could ask or think? I, I, I mean, why? Because if it's beyond what I could even ask or beyond what I even could think, what does that mean? That means... I can't get the glory because it's beyond me. And that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, my sinful heart says I want the glory, but my spiritual <laughs> heart says there is no way I want this. No, because it belongs to Christ and him alone. The Westminster Confession of Faith, the very first question is, uh, basically, what is what is the purpose of man? It's, he is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I enjoy God by glorifying God. Yes, for sure. So so let's talk about sorrow. Sorrow is a hard thing. Yeah. What's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, specifically when it comes to things that affect our lives? Uh, well, worldly sorrow often is, I got caught. I, I, I got caught, and now um, I'm going to apologize, um, but have no real depth or meaning to the apology. There's no repentance. It's just an apology. It's a, I'm sorry without any change. So I have, I have a friend who um, is very good at worldly sorrow. Mm -hmm. He'll confess, says he repents, but there's no turning. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big difference. Yes. If we turn from our sin, that shows godly sorrow. Yeah. I, I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, it's not the absence of sin that distinguishes the Christian. It's the grieving over sin that distinguishes the Christian, the sorrow over sin, saying that I don't want to live this way because God's love. And he, and I know he loves me and he's told me that this will destroy my life. I want to follow him. I want to make this 
right. So a lot of guys come into our program and, and we ask them, why, why do you want recovery? Why do, why do you want to be here at the lighthouse? And one of their answers very commonly is, my body's just tired. I'm just tired of this and I need yeah. a break. Or, or I, know, I know it's wrong and I, and I just want to stop, but they don't understand why. Yeah. Or I, um, I have kids, I have a wife, or I'm on probation, or I'm on parole. Yep. Uh, all of these things, right? Worldly sorrow. Yes. It's our goal as believers, as biblical counselors, to take the worldly sorrow and show them what godly sorrow looks like and direct them in that path and guide them and teach them and mentor them. Yeah. One of the things that frees me in understanding the sovereignty of God in salvation, Brandon, is the fact I don't have to manipulate people to come to Jesus. Um, and and I, I can't even really manipulate people to come to Jesus, right? Uh, uh, genuinely come to Jesus. So our job at the Lighthouse is to present the gospel, present Jesus, and it's the Spirit's job to begin to produce this godly sorrow in their life, right? My job is to call on people to believe and to repent and follow Jesus. That's it. Oftentimes in some of our circles, uh, it is... I need to manipulate this situation in counseling or manipulate these people in preaching and to try to get them to come to Jesus. But that doesn't work, Brandon. No. It, it's just the gospel being proclaimed by us and then leaving the rest in the Holy Spirit's hands. So I saw a Facebook post this week. It said... Say this prayer and you're going to heaven. <laughs> now, I know the person who posted it, and they have a, a great heart for God. Yeah. I, I have a, a good friend. There's several churches in this area, and there's even a rehab in this area. They, they pass out these little three-step guides to get to heaven. Yeah. Or, you know, um, say this magic prayer. Um, you know, you don't have to do anything else but say this, and God will save you. Yeah. That that's a bunch of hogwash. Yeah. So, yeah, I I disagree with them completely because I don't see where Jesus or the apostles ever do that. Nor is there a passage in Scripture that says, "Say this magic prayer and you're going." Say to this prayer, or even, uh, and this is going to be really controversial. I love you people out there. Please love me. But do we ever see a genuine, like, altar call that we often see in some churches today in the New Testament? No. The, the simple plea was repent and believe on the Lord Jesus. That can happen through an altar call. I'm not saying it cannot, but do we see it in the New Testament? Agreed. Yeah, I think sometimes we make an idol out of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my parents went to India years ago, and and the missionary there they he, they threw they threw these big campaigns, and thousands of people came. And you know, the missionary at the end said, "Just raise your hand if you want Jesus." Mm-hmm. And then he would say, "Look at the thousands of people who are going to heaven," with no other context. Later on in the week, my my dad was talking to some of these folks, and they said, "We are glad to add Jesus to the list." 
of gods gods that are saving us. There's no real explanation of the gospel in that only Jesus saves. Repent and believe on Jesus because he is the only way. Sometimes those prayers, sometimes those posts have have really solid pieces in them. Yeah. Like repent. Yeah. Uh, this this is what this is what I say. The story of Balaam and Balak in the Old Testament and God uses a donkey to speak to the so-called prophet and uh I and God can use about anything. So but I, I think how we present things matters often. Agreed, agreed. Um, Matthew 22, Scripture says, Many are called and few are chosen. I think this also slaps us in the face of the um, raise your hand and you're going to heaven movement. Let's talk about what Jesus meant by that. It's a salvation text. This is salvific text. Jesus says, Many will be called through the proclamation of the gospel. That's that's our job. Yep. We don't we don't know who's going to come to Jesus. We don't know who Jesus is saving, right? All we do is proclaim the gospel and we leave the rest up to Jesus. He calls through his people. He saves by his spirit. So this week at the at the lighthouse was a fantastic week. One of our food bank people came in and talked to our community care manager, Olivia. Yes. And, and her, her job is this, to build relationships with people who walk in the door. And through her time with this person, this person repented of their sins. Yeah. And when that happens at the lighthouse, we rejoice. Yes. Immediately, um, an email was sent to all staff, and yep. we were excited but that's one of many that come into the food bank. Yes. And they're all, to, all given the same hope of the gospel. Yes. All we're called at the lighthouse to do is share that gospel. Yeah, and leave the results to God. That's freeing in ministry. I remember being early in ministry and, and thinking it was my job to get people to Jesus, make you come to Jesus, right? And then I realized, no, it's my job to call you to Jesus, but it's Jesus's job to convert you and to change you. Yep, absolutely. One last question. If many are called and few are chosen, will any who God chose ever be lost? No. There's a false teaching out there that says that's possible. Yes. And I think this can be an in-house debate. Agreed. But I'm... I. For me, it's pretty clear in Scripture. Jesus says that all that the Father gives him, speaking of people and salvation, that he shall lose none. Imagine how fearful it would be that that I, I could go to hell if I sinned and I don't confess. Yeah. I mean, I sin every day. Yes. And I, I would be a hot basket case mess if I had to get saved or or make sure I'm right with God every moment that I think something bad. Yeah, so let's go back to Ephesians for a minute. In Ephesians 1, starting in verse 13 of chapter 1, In him, speaking of Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised 
Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, when you put a guarantee down on a house, what that means is, is that if you back out of buying the house, that person gets to keep the money. The Holy Spirit has been given as a guarantee to us. If God backs out of the promise, what happens? They're guaranteed. This happens. The Father loses the third person of the Trinity. Not going to happen, Brandon. God will never back out of the promise, right? We can go to Romans 8. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been moved from under the wrath of God to under the grace of God. How freeing is that? We are we are all deeply sinful people. Now, my sin can put a break of fellowship between me and God. Um, and then I need to confess and repent. But it can never separate. What can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. That's a great passage. We're out of time today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Reflections of the Lighthouse. Next podcast is going to be God's plan for suffering and adversity. And I'm really excited about diving into suffering and and how God uses that for our glory. Thank you for um, tuning in. Please share us on your social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, all of those things. Help us get this podcast out so more people can listen. If you have questions about salvation, more than anything, we want to talk to you. Yes. Uh, call us at 260-255-6413. And ask for me or Brandon. Yep, ask for Dwayne or Brandon. or um, If we're not available, any staff member yep. can help you with that. Or visit us on our website. You can send a message, a prayer request, any of those things there. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time. Mm-hmm.